<laughs> Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing? Good. I, I started the podcast with a cough, so oh, it's nice. not an auspicious beginning. That's an inauspicious okay. beginning. Can't quite, see the top, to... can't quite see the top of your head yet either, but that's all right. We know what it looks like. Three strikes and I'm out. Bruce, it was a good game. It was that was a tense game. I came to it late. I was, a, was I was ever? coaching at a practice, and I came to it late. And I was watching the game. I didn't look at the score. And then halfway through the third period, I couldn't take it anymore. I just had to look to see if they if they got through it or not. And amazingly, they did. Um, they they outchanced Detroit Bruce twelve to eight on grade A chances. It was a it was a game where they really turned around a lot of the the shot metrics. Um, and, and had a really solid effort. There's player after player after player we could laud in this game for playing well. But uh, I'm going to do that um, on the grades, too. Yeah. So this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? Oh, I, I'm going to go with uh, Mikko Koskinen, same guy I picked the other night, I believe, uh, who... They put back to into the net, and unlike last game where he faced 52 shots, including 25 in the third period alone, he only faced half that number over the course of 60 minutes. But you know what? He had to have a real strong game. Uh, Jonathan Bernier and his posts were so hot for Detroit that that easily could have been a goaltender steal by the Red Wings. Yeah, it was except, getting that shape. Except Koskinen was just really just as sharp in his own cage as, as uh, Bernier was at the other end. And he had to be. I mean, the margin was one goal. He was beaten by a shot from the slot after an extended Detroit pressure that deflected in off an Oiler defender uh, and, you know, beat him on the deflection, hit, found the corner. Pretty hard to blame the goalie on that. And there was a few others, man. The first period, he, uh, uh, especially the back half of the first period, and then in the third period, a number of very strong saves down the stretch uh, and, and good opportunities. Detroit set some stuff up. You know, I got, I got a good thing, uh, unofficial good thing, was how strong Detroit played. I got to give those guys all the credit in the world. They easily could have mailed that game in. They got beat 5-1 in Vancouver on Tuesday. They got beat 5-1 in Calgary on Thursday. They played hard in the first period tonight. They fell behind 2-0, and they could have quit. And they never did. They they brought it and they brought it and you know they were the second best team on the ice. But uh, they brought what they had and they brought it to the end. And and hats off to them. The NHL is a tough league. There's not very many free spaces in it. Even when you think there's one, it's not necessarily so. And Bruce, they could have easily caved. The, the Oilers yeah. dominated that second period. Mm-hmm. Um, the the scoring chances at one point were five to nothing, and the Oilers scored two goals. And I thought the second goal. When that when that second goal came, I thought that okay, Detroit could cave in now, mm-hmm. and we might see. But they didn't. They did not back down one bit, and they scored a few minutes later. So <laughs> good for Detroit. They like you say they that was one uh, heck of an effort from them. Um, yeah, it's one of those games where you know a team's been humiliated in the game before. They really got whipped, Both and even though it's the really second game and <laughs> second game in two nights. Uh, for them, they were desperate to win. You know, they had that going for them, and um, they sure showed it. Uh, so, Bruce, my good thing was Zach Cassian. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was in on four grade A chances, made major contributions to four grade A chances. 
Not one uh, major mistake on a grade A chance against. Threw some absolutely hellacious hits out there. Really, really rammed a couple players on Detroit. And that's got to make a difference. And uh, Ethan Bear's goal uh, was as much on Cassian as it was on Bear. Bear made a very nice play at the blue line, walking the line a little bit, um, cutting back and firing the puck. I mean, again, such a rare thing for us to see for an Oilers defenseman to do that. But Cassian's right in front of the net, screening the goalie, and um, made that goal. So a screen, a screen made it possible. And Bear did just enough to change the shooting angle and sort of lose the, the shadow that he could get the shot through the first layer. And they had a great end zone replay of that that was right on line with the shot. And you could see Bear cut into the into that line, and this little piece of net, maybe three inches by three inches, opened up, and he hit it from 60 feet. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Gila Point Bear. <laughs> that was a hell of a shot. He, he's a <laughs> Bruce, he's a hell of a player. Like we're seeing something kind of interesting here. Eight, eight games into a season. But he's playing top pairing minutes. And now, he's, Dave? He's, he's crushing, though. He's not crushing them. He's doing well. He and Nurse are doing well. We haven't had a top-pairing defense group on the Edmonton Oilers hang in there and do well since Andre Sakura and Chris Russell in 2016-17. That was the last time we had that going on, and it's no coincidence the Oilers haven't won since then. And who knew that it was going to be Nurse and Bear? I mean, nobody knew. That, that's yeah, another good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nurse, nurse and thing. Bear. I mean, where'd that come from? Uh, I mean, Nurse we knew about. Bear, Bear was he was on the radar, and I mean, the reports started good right from the very beginning at camp. I know I went and saw the first day of open practice, and I was very impressed. And there was a lot of other verbiage, and almost it almost sounded like an echo chamber. And sometimes you go, well, how much of that is real, and how much of that is people hearing good things and and sort of passing along, uh, but. He's been good. And, I mean, he's still a rookie, and you see it. I mean, on the on the one Detroit goal tonight, Bear, Bear was yeah. one of the major culprits in terms of over, he overskated the puck twice. I'm going to have to go back and look at the whole extended paint. They got sequence. super tired. But the second time he overskated the puck, uh, that was, that was, a, that was a, a big problem. But he's a kind of young player that you expect, A, to make mistakes, and B, you hope to learn from those mistakes. And I think we are seeing growth and development in this player on a, a weekly, if not gamely, basis. What is your bad thing, Bruce? <sighs> My bad thing are, is are those extended shifts that the Oilers spent behind their own blue line. And it's sometimes, you know, this is old, old Oilers stuff. And I got probably all teams, all fans complain about it to some degree with their team. But it seems like there's an invisible force field that gets lowered over the blue line at the defensive end. Like they've taken that netting that they use to protect the fans behind the net and they just lay it down into the blue line. And it's impossible for the team to get the puck over the down line for a minute on end. And the Oilers had a few bad runs behind their own line. I know the top line got trapped in there twice. Uh, and then on the uh, one Detroit goal, that was another extended sequence. And in the third period, there was at least three long ones, including twice the Nuge, uh, Neal, um, chase, on. chase on line, which otherwise had a pretty good game. They sure but they did. had two shifts. I bet you they were a minute and a half each. And, and I was just almost beside myself. And they kept 
you know, when they finally did get the puck, they pass it to the nearest Detroit or lose the battle. And obviously, you know, oxygen deprivation becomes an issue at some point. Uh, but uh, there are points where you, when you do get a chance that a veteran player just has to bear down and somehow get that puck out, even ice the damn thing and get 15 seconds to, you know, suck wind without having to chase the puck while they're doing it. Yeah. But they just couldn't ever seem to get a hold of it or at least make hold it for long. And again, credit Detroit. Like their their game was the full court press, especially when they got behind and they caused lots of problems. But uh, those those were those were the bad things for me and that that was when I was doing the most screaming at my TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, my bad thing. My bad thing <laughs> was um Oscar Clefbaum's defensive play. So he was a major culprit on four grade A chances against. And the, and the one that really killed me was in the third period. Because I just don't know what, what, what he was thinking. Um, he, made, he made a pinch I of the offensive. Oh, he made a pinch of the offensive blue line. Fair enough. They, the Detroit rushes it in and they're, they're in there for a couple seconds moving the puck around and moving it back to the point. And Clefbaum by then has come back. But instead of sliding back to his defensive position, he's kind of hanging out in the middle of the ice. Not covering anybody, um, confusing everybody on his own team, and what do they do? Uh, they the the pass goes down to where he should be on defense, and Detroit gets its probably best chance of the third period to score. So, um, you know, I know that the players are supposed to cover for each other, and you know, first guy back, and there's there's some flexibility on who covers what, but at the NHL, generally, even you know, generally speaking, the defenseman shift back to defense as soon as they can when they get when, when they're out of position. And that was one where Clefbaum definitely needed to get back. Because Patrick Russell uh, was left covering for him and he didn't he had no idea what Clef that Clefbaum was going to do that. Um, and he tried to get back and he was unable to a great chance for Detroit. So Oscar not his best game on defense. You know he he's up and down in that regard. Um, so uh, this was one of the he, he goes <laughs> he goes into defensive slumps Bruce. And it's usually, I think, associated with injury. I don't think he's injured now, but this was, he does have these defensive slumps. I just hope it's, this is, was a one game um, aberration rather than the, uh, a bit of a slump. Well, he also goes charged. I know you don't like the stat, but uh, sometimes it's an indicator. He was charged with five official giveaways in this game. Well, that says something, I guess. And it's usually a fairly glaring one that they, that they do call. Like they don't, they don't get them all. And that's the problem with the stat is that, there are varying degrees of turnover, but usually the one where the guy kind of passes the puck to the other team, they notice those and, and charge him. Anyway, he had five, and no other oiler had more than two. So, wow. mind you, I mean, he's playing the most minutes, so you'd expect some of those things to sort of, uh, you know, start to start to add up after a while, but five is a lot. Bruce, what is your num numero, Bruce? I'm going to go with four, and that is the number of times the Oilers rang the iron tonight. <laughs> and I can I can recount the actual play. So one was an absolutely wonderful four-way passing play on the power play, where um, um, McDavid gained the zone. He fed Nuge. Nuge fed Drysaddle. Leon beat a guy with a one-on-one -on -one deke. Fed it back to. Uh, McDavid, he fed it right across the goal mouth to Neil, and he rang it off the post. It was just like click, 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 ding. Should have been. Would have been a highlight real goal. Yeah. Had it, uh, uh, had it not hit the post. 
then there was one where uh, Connor made a nice little chip pass to Leon, and he broke into the oh, yeah. offensive zone and fired a low shot that caught the far side post. Uh, then there was the one where Patrick Russell, of all people, really, started, I think, in his own territory, about his own blue line, and he just sort of saw open ice in front of him, and he charged down the ice and got into the slot and let one rip and hit the crossbar. It was a nice shot. And then finally, and painfully, the empty net. <laughs> oh, man. A gift I mean, goal for McDavid. Yeah, well, yeah. Dreisaitl made a fantastic play in the neutral zone. He made three, he, he had a just a monster defensive shift in the last minute of the game. Did he ever? And uh, he made a great play to knock a puck out of the air and knock it again out of the air to clear the zone. And then he in the neutral zone, he knocked yet another puck out of the air and fed McDavid, and I would have bet a million bucks McDavid's going to sift that one right into the center of the empty net from like 50 feet out right in the middle, and somehow he hit the post. And then Patrick Russell looked like he had like a, a two-foot putt with a six-foot hole to put it in, and somehow the puck bobbled on him and he managed to bang it wide, and then Detroit comes down. You know, they had, uh, uh, they had one late a uh, very dangerous look with like about three seconds left when Chris Russell made a big play to, to to break up a centering pass with a guy open behind him. And that would have been a real painful lead to blow when you have your best player with a clear shot at the empty net. You like to think that game's in the bag at that moment, but you've got Chris to make the Russell. shot. Chris Russell, like showing his quality again, showing um, why he's worth the contract that he was given, quite frankly. Because he can step in and play top four minutes and get the job done uh, at least adequately. And in, in the defensive end, actually, he, he's a strong defender in a top four role. So um, he earns Pairing his the money. Pairing the puck remains an issue, but uh, playing staunch defense and contesting every shot and pass around the goal mouth, that's his game, and uh, he's strong at it. And uh, tonight... He made an absolutely critical play with like literally two seconds left in regulation. Yeah. Now I had to watch the replay and then I had to watch it in slow motion to realize how dangerous that pass was. Yeah, he got his tip of his foot on it or tip yeah, of Yeah, it was a kick save and a beauty. <laughs> We've always liked Chris Russell, you and I is the truth. Well, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean, I see his weaknesses, but I, I'm not, there are people, some people see only his weaknesses. Yes. And as soon as you start doing that with the player, that guy's doomed. And, you know, yes. almost all of them, almost are all you, of them are your strengths judgment and weaknesses. A, yeah, or your judgment you, is doomed. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I mean. He's doomed in your opinion. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, he, uh, he has good and bad moments, and he had both in this game. Uh, but he had some big defensive moments, in the, uh, especially in the late going including a very excellent clearing of the zone with uh, maybe 40 or 50 seconds to go. That was part of that last minute yeah. winding down the clock. So my numbers, I'm going to sneak a quick extra number in. Uh, James Neal has nine goals in eight games. He leads the league. <laughs> so good for you, James Neal. And the good thing about that goal, Bruce, even strength. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a goal scorer's goal. Just got it off so quickly off a of stick, bam, and then that. And it was the... It was obvious, I, the, the turning point of the game, it was a really tight game until then, and bam, just pounded it in there. And from then, the Oilers were, uh, they weren't home free, but that was a huge moment for them in a, in a really hard-fought game. My other number, Bruce, is two. Yeah. This is the number of backhand passes, backhand, cross-ice, cross-scene, 
passes that Leon Dreisaitl pulled off at the blue line. He charged in over the blue line and twice fired absolute bullet backhand <laughs> passes to Zach Cassian coming in. Bruce, no one else, no one else in hockey can do that. And and we you'd have to you have to go back, I think, sometime to Marilyn Mew, I think. Maybe there's Yager. I don't know. Like there might be some other guys. I I, I didn't see Yager enough to say. Sid, but. Sid's pretty good on the backhand, see? but mostly with shooting the puck as opposed to I don't really remember him being a, like a a stellar passer. But I don't watch Sid 82 games a year. I mean, but Leon constantly astonishes me with his great wow. backhand pass. Those were so brilliant, and it, it brought me back to the first time that that I, at least I saw Drysdale alive in the Jasper uh, rookie camp, where he right. fired he fired a pass just like that in mm-hmm. that game and i had never seen him play before and I, like live i think right. i'd seen him on tv never seen him and and from then i was sold on the end dry settle like you just that um, level of skill is just un freaking believable i saw him live first time in red deer in a tiebreaker playoff game in whl where uh, prince albert was playing the rebels uh winner take all in terms of making the playoffs and Leon was fantastic in that game. He set up the tying and winning goals, and, and he was just feeding the pucks off of both sides of his stick. And when he had the puck in the corner, some guy would take a run at him. He'd just turn, put his big butt into the guy. The guy would bounce off, and Leon would just hang on to the puck. And I'm looking at him. Even then, I'm thinking, you know, those are transferable skills. There's that big center, which, I mean, who would have guessed he would turn out to be a big, big winger? But either way, he's a big guy who can hang on to the puck under pressure. And indeed... Uh, his assist tonight uh, wasn't necessarily a stellar backhand pass, but it was a play along the boards where some guy came at him and Leon did the same thing, the reverse butt check, and Buddy went up, <laughs> bounced <laughs> off, and then Leon fed, the, fed it back to uh, uh, back to the point. To Bear. And, to Bear. And, you know, the other guy who made a terrific play on that play was Alex Chason, who, first of all, did a great job along the sidewall to win the... Uh, uh, to, oh, sorry. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of the first goal. My bad. Uh, Alex Chason. He he got an assist. He made a great play along the sidewall to a to control the puck and to himself feed the point. And then he got on his horse and he hustled into the slot and was able to get a piece of the point shot. And that's what caused the rebound that Neil was yeah. able to cash. Yeah. Now Chason's not hustling his ass on that play. There's no goal scored. Simple as that. Good player, Bruce. Right now, Leon Draisaitl. Just right now, is mm-hmm. the best player on the Oilers which makes him the best player in the NHL. Because if you're better than Connor McDavid right now, you're the best player in the NHL. He, he is. Like he, he's, 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 he, not, this isn't going to last. I'm not saying this is going to last. But right now, well, we don't know if it's going to last. I'm betting McDavid, but right I now. I don't know. We know what the ceiling is with this guy. Yeah. He, he is the best player. He just is crushing it. He is so good. He just, it ramps, and, and it ramps the it power up play, the... shorthanded, everything. Ramps it up in the third period. There was one play where he, where he uh, made a good play in the offensive zone uh, to create a scoring chance. And then Detroit came busting out of their own end. They didn't even make it to center. And Leon had overtaken the puck carrier from behind, took it off, and then that was the end of that counterattack. It never even got going. And it was because of hard hustle and good checking, back backtracking by, you know, the big guy. You know, it's, it, it's funny. Earlier this year, Bruce, I wrote a post 
asking if Dreisaitl was better than Matthews. And I only did it to troll the Toronto uh, fans and media for them. I know, I saw your headline and it was definitely a troll. <laughs> you know they what? had it coming. And, but they asked today on the radio, would you trade Dreisaitl for Matthews? And my instant answer was no, I wouldn't. No, I would not either. I, I, but I, again, I can't. I don't I'm biased. I mean, Leon, I love Leon as a player. He's he's very close to my favorite player, i got to admit. But for a reason, it's because he's so damn good. <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's got it all. And he's still putting together the consistency. And sometimes, you know, the, the risk management is the biggest sort of remaining, I would say, sometimes, thing yeah. he's got he's to work on. Uh, but... I, I love how he raises his game in the third period, and that can be with the lead or, or behind. And in overtime, he's an you know he's an absolute monster. I mean, obviously and, the two of them are together. But and he, you know, what he's playing is the NHL game too, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so physical. His game, it is. It must be so physically draining to be to play that game. He must just be covered in ice. Twenty five minutes. Yeah. It's, he just is playing a total NHL game every single night. Puck protecting, win, winning battles, lifting sticks. And it's a playoff game. It's a it's a game that translates, as we know, seventy percent tonight. As we know, it's a game that translates very well into the playoffs. So, wow, the Oilers we really got two, we got two monster out. players, David. We got two monster players on this team. Yeah, very nice. To, it's just sure it is. And a seven and one record, Bruce McCurdy. Seven and one, first time in three years. <clears throat> Worked out pretty well that other time. Yeah, like it did. How they started in 20... Was it 7-1? Yeah, they won two, lost one, and then reeled off five in a row to run it to 7-1. and one. And that really set the table for the whole season. Well, there's a lot going right this year. The power play is going right. Um, the penalty killing is going right. They've... Um, they have a top pairing defense, which is which is holding its head above water for the first time since 2016-17. They have solid goaltending for the first time since 2016-17. So there's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of worries about, you know, the shot metrics, the percentages, including our own scoring chance metric, you know, what we're keeping track of and the owners were, have been significantly outchanced. So, so these are real, real worries. But when you do, when you go down the checklist of things kind of going right, um, it's a little bit calming, I would say in the face of some of the other kind of um, statistical evidence, there is, there are these other trends that, uh, they give me uh, a lot of confidence that this team is going to make the playoffs. Of course, I always think they're going to make the playoffs, Bruce. So. Yeah. When you have the two best players on the ice or two of the three best players on the ice and the, and the significant majority of the games, that's going to raise your chances. You know, you've got difference makers, and sometimes you need the difference makers to make the difference. And, and so that's, uh, that's the order's not so secret weapon that's the thing where they don't have to say well if we can get up to the league average maybe we can hang on you know what they need to do is get everything else around the league average and let those two guys go yeah you know i, I like the third line okay tonight and i thought i liked haas and yurcho together i think yurcho plays well with haas Nigard did as well i, I like haas's game i'm con- when he's whenever he's out there i think he's you know the old McTavish thing, like you got to make a difference if you're on a bottom line. Well, Haas is doing that consistently, so um, I'd like to see more of him. Somebody's uh, got to pop one one of these times. I mean, that, well, he, the absence of scoring from down there is. is they, they did Haas did with Nigard, right? Got they got one. one. Yeah. So people forget. Like I heard, I was hearing like like the the, the bottom lines haven't scored a goal. Well, actually, they did get the one there. So that four was four. Yeah. yeah. Was that four and four? 
Mm-hmm. That's even strength. That's why, it, yeah, it was. It just doesn't show up on a lot of the five by five data. I see. I see. I, I always, I always search even strength, not five on five. I like to get a bigger, this biggest sample, and I don't like to disregard four on four. You end up disregarding four on four and three on three numbers. I think if you just <sighs> five on five. And if you do even strength, though, then you get saddled with all the empty net clutter. That's the uh, issue. Well, on some websites you do, and some you don't, right? Yeah, got to pick the right spots. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty, Bruce, let's leave it there. You got some work to do still, I guess, a little bit? Uh, I sure do. I got a lot of it written and I got a lot of, a lot of stuff to finish, but we should have the game grades up here before, sometime before midnight. Right. And the orders play next in Winnipeg on Sunday? Sunday, Winnipeg, 5 o'clock in Winnipeg, and the Rogers Hometown Hockey features my hometown, my hometown of St. John's, Newfoundland. So I'll be tuning in at 4.30 on Sunday. How old were you when you left? 15. Oh, so you have I came to Edmonton in 1971, and that fall, Gary Davidson and Bill Hunter and Ben Haskell were announcing the, the, the seeds of the WHA. And if you told me when I arrived in Edmonton in 1971, and the only game in town was the Edmonton Eskimos, that within 20 years, I would personally see my team win five Stanley Cups. And like the, uh, There would have been no odds. Like It would have been, you know... That's just an unbelievable set of circumstances. Like Edmonton was a hundred, oh there, Edmonton was a hundred miles, a thousand miles from the National Hockey League in 1971. And it was just a dream how things unfolded over the next uh, 20 years. Anyway. All right. <laughs> All right, Bruce, let's leave it there. Thanks There's for our talking. mandatory 70 sports <laughs> reference. That was a whole 70 Gary, sports Gary Gary yeah. Davidson. Gary Davidson. There's a there's a small number of people who remember those names now, and you and I are two of them. Bruce, thanks for talking to me. Thanks for listening. Great league. That's league. I love it. Yes. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast, and that is yet one more 1970s sports reference. Ed Whalen's signature sign-off, which we pay homage to every single Cult of Hockey podcast. All right. Thanks, Bruce.